Today's guest is so exciting. She works in communication and marketing for sustainability companies, which is very, very cool. But she's also a freelancer, a diver. She's an advocate for animals. And she works with Sea Shepherd Portugal to preserve the oceans and preserve marine life. And in today's episode, we're going to talk all about the education and the direct action campaigns that Sea Shepherd Portugal does. And I was so fascinated to learn about all the piracy that is happening in the oceans. Oh my gosh, it's so exciting and really incredible. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Micah Baun. You're listening to the Half Hippie Podcast with Tara Milo. I'm a half hippie, half princess, cat mom, city girl, introvert, and entrepreneur. I don't fit into a box, and you don't either, but I'm committed to making the world a better place through my lifestyle and my business. I love talking about sustainability because I know that you can make a positive difference without giving up the things you love. Here on the Half Hippie Podcast, we're talking about sustainability and entrepreneurship. We'll share stories about what makes us all half hippie and what our other half does to make a positive impact in the world. Let's go. I heard your your talk on Planeteers and it was really hopeful. So that was thank good. you. Yeah, I love doing these talks. That's basically my role now for Sea Shepherd Portugal. I'm always doing this hosting moderation stuff. <laughs> nice. That's very cool. Yeah, we had some more talks like uh, for Stop Finning EU. I don't know if you know the initiative and also for vegan and vegan food and stuff like that. Where are you from? You're from Germany? Mm-hmm. Originally from Germany, but I live in Portugal for three years now. Okay. And before that, I traveled for two years. So I left Germany five years ago. Yeah. Or more. Do you speak Portuguese? I understand more than I speak. Me too. That's exactly what I always say. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so hard. I actually uh, took a course and uh, tried to learn it, but it's just when you first go to Portugal and you're just like, what the, what the fuck is that? (laughs) I know. (laughs) It took me six months to hear words, like separate words. (laughs) Because it was just like... (laughs) Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. So I think we're okay because at least we can understand now. Oh, I'm so curious since you grew up in Germany, what your idea of hippie is. My idea of the word hippie? Yeah. Mm, it changed a lot because I am a hippie now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like a hippie is someone who's really open to different cultures and different ideas and approaches of life. And someone who can adjust to many different ways of living. Yeah. And it's just concerned about the inner peace and happiness rather than financial success. And who is more like a social outgoing person who tries to connect with different people and different perspectives. Uh And someone who likes to travel and, yeah, see new things and get to know new people. Yeah, different stories. Yeah, huh. that's what I would say. <laughs> that's interesting. I hadn't heard that about being outgoing. That's that's cool. I feel like it, you have to be outgoing because you like, you know, as a hippie, I feel like you travel a lot and then yeah. 
everywhere you go, you have to find your little circle. Mm. You're mostly alone when, in my opinion, you travel alone and then you find your little group and then you travel someone else and you find your little group. Exactly. Okay. That's cool. And tell us about your work because I admire this work so much. <laughs> So I actually, so mostly um, my volunteering is with Sea Shepherd, of course, mm -hmm. but I also earn my money with um, sustainable, working for sustainable companies and organizations. So what would you like to hear first? Let's talk about Sea Shepherd, because that's how I heard, that's how I discovered you was through your work with Sea Shepherd. Okay, sweet. So yeah, Sea Shepherd, uh, we started Sea Shepherd Portugal in October 2019 and I was one of the first people who were like a team of three uh -huh. and Chris our director he asked me if I want to do the marketing because I studied marketing and I work in marketing so it was a great honor and then I basically started and in November they asked me if I want to join the Farley Mowat in Mexico to fight for the survival of the vaquita uh -huh. the smallest mammal and the, it's on the brink of extinction mm. and the smallest mammal in the ocean is not mammal in general, but okay. uh, yeah. And so in November, I joined the crew of the Fali Moat. So I, for three months, so I, wow. so I left to Mexico and lived there on a boat, which was really cool, but it was really intense as well. Cause like the Vaquita, there's only six to 22 individuals left mm -hmm. and they only live in the upper Gulf of California. So it, like this tiny secluded space where they can live yeah they're super shy and tiny and like uh, influ influences from like environment or temperatures or whatever can have a massive impact on them so they're really sensitive mm. and that's why they can just live there and in uh, Mexico they fish the totoaba fish for the swim bladder because in China uh, they think that it is helping you sexually. I don't know. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's horrific. It's just like, well, yeah. And then we try, actually, we take all the illegal fishing nets, like these tennis nets I spoke about at Planeteers. We just take them out. All the illegal ones, not the legal ones. The legal ones, we obviously like leave there because yeah. they fish for shrimp or they fish for other stuff. But the illegal ones for the totoaba fish, we pull them out. And then obviously, because there's cartels involved, the fishermen are not really happy about that. So they they go at it. And then I came back after three months and continued my work with Sea Shepherd, like overseeing all the, on planning all the marketing actions. Tell us about like when you take the fisherman's net, Do are they there or they discover later that you did it? Like what's happening? Uh, that depends. So uh, when I was there, we had the Sharpie there as well. So we were like two boats and two crews. Mm -hmm. And so we have a sonar and a radar. So in our sonar, we can see basically where the nets are. Uh -huh. And then we try and the radar shows us where the fishermen are. You can kind of see the, uh, if what kind of fishermen they are in the pattern. They um, they move their boats. Okay. That's a different <laughs> topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in the sonar, you can see, oh, there's something that looks like a, like a certain shape. Yeah. And then you kind of know, okay, there's probably a, a net. So then we go there and um, take 
take the net with like we navigate around it and like kind of trying to to hook it and then cut it in two and pull it in yeah and sometimes the fishermen are there in the end of the season when I was there they kind of learned from their mistakes unfortunately and they were kind of like you know waiting around by their nets because they're so long we had like one end was protected and the other one was not because sometimes they're like up to one kilometer long so if we were lucky we were on the end where there's no fishermen yeah so we could start getting it in but then they would come right away because they have these tiny little speed boats uh -huh. sometimes with two engines which is not allowed but anyways they can't like tiny little tinnies like made of wood it's insane it's like and then you have our massive boats and you're just like oh geez that's crazy yeah but they they're aggressive so they actually on the floats that are like on top of the net right uh -huh. that are like floating on the surface there they have like um they have insults for us like verga whatever whatever shit they're writing on it but then sometimes they they actually yell at us and they throw stuff at us and we had the incidents that they were throwing molotov cocktails oh my and gosh. stuff like that yeah but we never do anything so sea shepherd the only thing we have is like water cannons to like uh -huh. defend ourselves sure which which are harmless yeah and like a sound system that's like when you put the like pointed at someone you have to leave because it's just so high pitched but nothing we would never do anything violent, which many people think we do, but we don't actually. Yeah. And we have military on board and the Navy and they they take care of us. But also they are really, really careful with like actually doing something they might regret. So it's like Sea Shepherd would never harm anyone on purpose. Right. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we, since we have two boats, sometimes when they come and attack us or the Sharpie, the other one, the Farley Moward, uh, comes like we were, or the other way around, or whatever, and try to help them with the attack. And just like, you know, the only thing we can do is being there, yeah, and helping. And which is actually some most of the time working well because if you have two big boats, they're also like, yeah, okay, what, what can we do? <laughs> yes, this is incredible. It sounds like piracy, like boats attacking each other for fishing nets. <laughs> yeah, actually, it, it kind of feels like it. But, but the uh, the difference is that we don't like, you know, it's just the fishermen attacking us. And we're just standing there like, we're not going to harm you. Yeah. But we're going to fight yeah. with within all the rules for yep. the survival of the um, vaquita. Because if, if we weren't there, there would be no vaquita left. And this is the because they swim into the nets and then they die yeah it's translated to little cow wow. they look like tiny little dolphins uh -huh. um they look like they're like nah not that small but they're like super tiny and super shy and yeah they're like this I think the smallest mammal in the ocean what else do you guys do with sea shepherd so for instance in Portugal we do a lot of awareness right now because like you know people in Portugal they don't really know what's happening in their backyard basically in the in the ocean there you just think like oh, it's, it's Europe I mean come on what's gonna happen yeah but uh, for instance we partnered up our um, CEO Alex he's CEO from Sea Shepherd Alex Cornelison he is also spokesperson of Stop Finning EU and this is also something that concerns Portugal I mean the Maku shark finning and fishing was now uh, stopped in Portugal Good. which is cool 
Yeah. But also they still catch the blue shark and uh, fin them Ugh. and all that. It's horrible. And so we want to create awareness for that. And we want to stop the, we also work with um, Fly Without Fins. Mm. It's a um, project that pretty much um, goes to, to all the airlines and just ask them, is your cargo uh, containing fins? And if so, please stop. Pretty yeah. much like going at it. So yeah, we are like partnering up with all these um, amazing campaigns to create like, you know, if we can combine all the forces, yep. we can do something great. And the name Sea Shepherd is all, always a good thing to have for credibility and for you know awareness and then people know oh my god it must be important and yeah. and right if c shepherd is supporting it so yeah we're doing awareness campaigns and also uh, we're collecting data now with our science team or we collect data for almost a year already of strandings because also in portugal the fishing is a shit show mm. <laughs> it's um they just cut off the fins of like for instance in the nets there's a dolphin entangled or a whale or a shark they cut off the fins throw them back and then we find them dead on the beach yeah it's crazy you wouldn't even expect that I didn't it's crazy and um, we take the data and then you know want to collect enough data to go to the municipality and just tell them guys yeah we have to do something about it and yeah we do talks of course and see what's um yeah we observe a lot what is going on for instance we have some supermarkets that actually sell sharks like a full shark which is kind of like fucked up. Obviously we don't go at it and just like, oh my God, you, you can't do it. We are really sh- strategic and diplomatic about it. We observe, we collect data and facts, mm-hmm. and then we go and, you know, try to change something in the in the scope we can, like yeah. within the law, let's say. It sounds like there's a lot of education that mm-hmm. you do. We do that as well, yeah. Yeah, and direct action, which is cool. Yeah, 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 direct action for sure. We also do dive removal, uh, dive <laughs> dives for net removals. Mm-hmm. Um, so we go, it's just like experienced divers because in nets you can get entangled and, mm-hmm. you know, so the ghost nets, I don't, do you know what ghost nets are? Tell us about it. Okay, it's like deadly traps basically in the ocean floating around. I don't know the percentage, but a majority of fish is like entangled there and just dies for no mm-hmm. reason. It's like a, abandoned fishing net pretty much that is just like floating around like a big rotten mushroom in the ocean and collects everything that's swimming around there's also a lot of uh, plastic and um, debris in it so we remove it and get it on shore and then we have another NGO we work with they actually take the nets clean it and distribute it to other companies that upcycle it for instance which is cool uh, but yeah, at the moment we can't do it, but uh, right. normally we go and then it's just like, you know, you have to be an instructor or advanced or dive master because otherwise we don't want to risk anyone's well-being. So Yeah, I actually saw one of those abandoned nets one time when I was diving here in Kashkais and the, the diving instructor, of course, they're down there to collect trash too. So yeah. they cut it and, and brought it back up with us because that's amazing that's a really cool thing we can do as divers I always do that I have a little net with me or when I teach or whatever um or when I go fun diving do you have a little you know these little dive nets you can 
yeah buy and then you can just collect trash and it's actually fun because it's like kind of like a little treasure hunt exactly <laughs> well, except that the treasure is trash, trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much fun because you know sometimes when you go diving and you're like this dive site is there's nothing to see and you're like bored and it's cold and you're just like visibility <laughs> sucks and mm-hmm. then you have your little net and your little knife and you're just like I think I read that abandoned fishing nets are one of the biggest polluters in the ocean. I mean, we have the garbage mm-hmm. patches that are floating around, which is horrible, but yeah. just fishing nets. Exactly. Everywhere. These nets, yeah, they, they collect pretty much the debris and the fish. So they, they, they are deadly traps for mm-hmm. even for big fish. It's like, even for, even a dolphin could die in there. It's just like, you know, they don't see it, get in it. And if they get into one of these nets, it's it. There's yeah. no way out. And yeah, they also like in this little ball mushroom thing. <laughs> it's like all the debris like goes in it yeah. with the with the current. And yeah. And when we take it out, it's a, it's really great. Especially since the net is already a lot of plastic. So right, exactly. Oh, I actually I just want to show you. I actually have this is one of the nets we pulled out and the brown one. Wow. So from in Mexico, from the um from our campaign. Yeah. So we made us little bracelets from it to like always, you know, we pulled it out, we saved the animals in it, and then we made little bracelets for everyone, which is pretty cool. Yeah, those are actually beautiful. <laughs> but you can see it's like I have it for a year and it looks like nothing happened to it. It's like, and then you can imagine, yep, they can be in there for ever. Like why are they there? Do fishermen just forget that they dropped a net or they don't care or what? Why? Well, sometimes like uh, the ghost nets, sometimes they are just abandoned because, you know, something else came up or Shaba was there and said like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> but then we would take them. So we had some yeah. ghost nets we pulled out. This It's, it's horrible and it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's like, imagine dead corpses rot mm-hmm. in there for months yes and you just pull it out and especially since we just like take them apart you know you have to take the floats and the net and the weights apart and then cut the nets Mm -hmm. so that the um so that nobody could use it anymore these nets are super expensive so normally it has to be a really big reason for them to abandon them because they are a few thousand euros one of these nets so Either they, you know, they got off their little hooks or wherever they were like attaching it to. And it was just like gone with the fairies or for some other reason, which you never know. You know, it's like, especially in Mexico, for instance, there's a cartel involved. So sometimes we don't even want to know the reasons why they do stuff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it has to be a big one because it's a lot of money involved in these nets. So, right. So they're not cheap things that people are just leaving. There's something. No, these nets are uh, in some countries, they are like handmade. Actually, in most countries, because you have to have these knots that are like really specific. So it's a lot of work, especially one kilometer of like tennis net, pretty much. Right. That's like thousands of euros. And then what can regular people do? Like, are there certifications we can look for? Because like. People eat fish, right? Like I don't eat fish, but it's a healthy animal for people to eat. So I know that people eat it, but it's not like we don't even know about all these problems that are happening because of eating fish. 
Yeah, and that's the problem. Actually, fish nowadays is not even healthy anymore. The industry yes. is trying to tell us because it's, and even I, I think many people, especially in my circle, they understood tuna in their house, and I'm going to freak out <laughs> because you know the tuna fishing. We have some campaigns in Africa, for instance, or in, in other countries as well, and you just see how the fish is being caught there. Mm-hmm. And like for instance, with the tuna, wherever we have the campaigns, um, they just catch thousands of fish and a lot of bycatch like sharks dolphins everything just dies in there and then they just throw it on the ship Mm -hmm. all the tunas and they're like tiny because they can't reproduce the bigger fishes the more they reproduce yeah and since we fish all the big ones the population gets smaller and the fish itself so the reproduction is smaller and the population is, is it's just a vicious circle and then they throw them on the boat and these fish, they they feel pain and they feel scared. And when fish feel scared, or especially tuna, they are just like they are just throwing up. So there's like thousands of fish throwing up on the deck and like, oh like like basically suffocate on the deck. Nobody's yeah. even taking the pain away from them. They're just like throwing them there. It's like suffocate goodbye. And yeah, tuna is really really bad for the ocean. Mm-hmm. And because if we don't have tuna anymore, just like the same with sharks, the whole ecosystem is going to collapse and we depend on it. It's like sep- up to 70% of the oxygen we breathe comes from the ocean, actually. Mm-hmm. And the same with, with salmon. Actually, people think that farmed salmon is better than the one caught in yeah. the ocean, which is not true because you have these farms, you know, and there's like a lot of antibiotics because it's a tiny space for a lot of fish. Yeah. So um Patagonia made a really good documentation about the fish farms in Canada, I think. It is so disgusting. They all have like fungus and like some other disease. They look like they're deformed, everything. Yeah. Anyways, they put um antibiotics in the water and they just like, you know, they have a completely changed DNA because it's the the fish is genetically changed from right. all the confinement and then they get out. Sometimes obviously they get out and then they made with a f- normal salmon. And then we changed the whole genetics mm. of the free population. So salmon and tuna are the worst fish to eat. And also for us, it's like, we basically with a salmon, uh, salmon steak or however you call it, they people eat a box of antibiotics. It's really bad and people don't know because obviously nobody's telling them because there's so many millions involved. And I do feel like when those animals are panicking and they die, they're releasing hormones, stress hormones, and then Mm -hmm. people are eating those stress hormones, whether it's cows from a factory farm or tuna, it sounds like, and salmon and all of these animals who are dying in distress. And the plastic actually as well. Like whenever we eat fish, we basically eat plastic and it's so gross because plastic has hormones as well, which is for, especially for us women, really bad. It's like, it's similar to the estrogen, I think. Yeah. Anyways, it's just like, you know, it changes our cycle. So it's like, right. maybe think twice and take the vegan option of it. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, we know that, but like many people just don't know it. I feel like for women who, especially when they suffer from cramps, I think just don't eat dairy. Your cramps will go away because they're, yeah. those cows are pumped full of hormones and they are cow-sized hormones. And then you're putting them into your little human body. You don't yeah. know what is happening. So yeah, I think dairy is just the worst thing. But. It's so bad. <laughs> like seriously, I have, 
I'm vegan for like a year now before I was mm. vegetarian. Mm -hmm. But I learned on the ships how to actually be vegan because I tried before. It was so hard. But on the ships, for Sea Shepherd ships, we always feed everyone vegan. Nice. Um, and they sh like I learned how to cook. We had an amazing chef. Uh, and she showed me like pretty much I was just like, you know, being a deckhand, like looking sometimes over her shoulder. Yeah. She showed me how to make fucking amazing vegan food. And ever since I haven't had any cramps. Like, yeah, when it's like, it's like nothing is happening. <laughs> no cramps. I know I'm the same. Like when I stopped eating and for me, it's been like 10, almost 11 years vegan. Cause I had migraines that is amazing. Mm -hmm. and the migraines went away when I stopped eating cheese and dairy, the migraines went away. That's worth it to me. But then I just this don't have so cool. cramps and people are talking about, and I'm like, Oh, my period's so easy now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there might be a reason for it. Yeah, that's the problem with like a lot of people. They just like, no matter what you say, they're just like, yeah, but for instance, some people tell me, yeah, but your vegan food is processed. And I'm like, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, first of all, vegetables are most likely not processed. And second of all, whatever you eat is 100% processed. So if I have my vegan cheese there, yeah, uh, peas, which basically grow in Germany, like, a plague <laughs> like, yes. you know it's way better than my cheese from a poor little cow who yeah got her baby killed because we need to drink her milk I mean like come yep. on I forgot to, to answer your question by the way oh <laughs> what, what people can do to actually yes. change something I think that's important that's why I got back to it um I think actually what we talked about the um, diving Obviously, when you go diving, just take a little bag. It's like probably, I don't know, 50, even in the Sea Shepherd shop, we have one. It's like 15 euros or something. And you can just like, you know, put your trash in there. Yeah. And when you're diving um, and also collect trash on the beach and in the streets, because especially for us in Lisbon, like everything is going to end up in the Tejo, which we find in the streets. Yeah. And then Tejo straight in the ocean and then straight in the fish and back to us. Exactly. <laughs> um, right. And then also like what we are, what you're probably doing as well, just like educate people. Like the worst thing is to tell people like you suck because you eat fish or you eat dairy. It's more like, you know, to try this and this and this. Like my family now, they're like, oh my God, vegan food is actually so good. I think we're going to do it like 90% of the time. It's like, see, see. <laughs> so be a role model instead of like pointing fingers. That's really important. And yeah, I believe like picking and actually I do shame people when they throw their shit in the streets. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like of what course. the fuck? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is, that is the best way. And just like picking up stuff and it's good for your ass because you squat a lot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's good it's like literally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, the beaches in Portugal, it's like, it's so beautiful. And then you look closely, for instance, in Peniche with this little plastic factory, then they have these tiny little plastic balls. This one beach is full of these little pellets. Oh, I haven't, I haven't been there. That would break my heart. I know there was a campaign in the 80s or 90s about tuna and dolphins. And now mm -hmm. there's tuna that says dolphin safe. Is it really dolphin safe or probably not well let's put it that way there's no commercial way of fishing that has no harm to other species you know when they already drag nets i mean there are some nets that have already like a thing that turtles can get out for instance but it's still like you blindly drag a net so mm -hmm. 
you get whatever's in it. And then, for instance, also sharks can get in there and then their bycatch and then obviously they can take their fins. You know, it's just a a horrific industry, in my opinion. You know, we would never do anything about fishermen that do it legally, never. We would never do anything about that. Like, we want to people to stop eating fish so the demand is not there. So if people want to eat fish from the legal fishermen, how can they, how do they know if it's from a legal or more ethical? So the thing is, everything that's sold in our um, supermarkets is legal. It's all commercial fishing. Okay. Like most of it. So they all have these, these labels as well, you know, that are known as labels that make it okay to eat fish but actually it's not okay to eat fish like never it's never okay yeah. to eat fish because also these labels and we know what we're talking about yeah uh, they obviously they're also interested in the revenue this industry makes right so let's say they would say like okay none of these commercial fishing boats is legal then where would they get their jobs from you know? yeah so yeah. In we have overfished our oceans. We actually we have to stop eating fish, otherwise it's just an empty pool of mud water soon. Yeah. You know, it's like no fish, no cleaning, no ecosystem, no anything. So it's just gonna be a pond. <laughs> like what if nothing. everyone just didn't eat fish for a year? You could give up fish for a year. That would make an incredible difference. That would make an incredible difference. This is even January this year. It was insane and how much it was saving lives. I actually posted something recently on how many animals end up in the trash every day. Like just because they, you know, they killed for no reason, either because it was a male calf and can't give milk. It's so incredible. And if we would all not create the demand, Obviously, the industry would suffer. They can shift and do something else. Yeah, that's, for instance, what Sea Shepherd did as well in Mexico. So these weights, they are on the this, these tennis nets, I always call them. Yeah. Um, so they made a, like a little cooperation with fishermen. So they turned the fishermen into businessmen of an, a different industry. So they took these little weights and turned them into diving weights. So we have like these diving weights. They're like these normal, you know, diving weights with like a little um, engraving of Sea Shepherd. So it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And this is something, for instance, yeah, we could change the industry. But obviously, yeah, then there's like, you know, the problem is not the small little fisherman. He's just doing what he has to do to survive. Yeah. If we like it or not. Mm -hmm. But the problem is the big industries behind it, the... The, the people that are actually on the on the the end the receiving end let's say yeah. where there's millions of dollars involved and the governments obviously also right uh, having their advantages sometimes of it what is something that frustrates you about the sustainability movement like something that frustrates me is the idea of greenwashing because we say everything mm. is greenwashing and not everything is greenwashing sometimes people are actually doing something good and we should yeah. celebrate that so some companies really even the big companies try to go into the right direction yeah 
let's say when it comes to some in some companies that produce food and they try to go away from meat and go more into the vegan industry it's like yeah okay they then still have plastics and they still have this and that but they do a stab so it's like that's the that's actually i think a problem sometimes that people are too extreme it doesn't have to be perfect to be great like yes perfection lies in in imperfection in my opinion because it's like the right direction is the way and not like okay it has to be vegan food from local markets uh, packed in paper how are you going to do that without (laughs) adding any any preservatives it's like guys come on it's like sometimes people tend to be a little bit too like too much of like pointing fingers Mm -hmm. and like not seeing the direction we are going i had these discussions or arguments actually sometimes with people so much they're like nobody's doing anything nothing is happening and i'm like i have like three jobs in that industry and volunteer for sea shepherd and i know that it's going somewhere yeah (laughs) and it's like and they're like no it's like look at this look at this look at this and you show them what you're doing yeah like what you're knowing and they're just like no I think everything is fucked. Everything is shit. And this is this negativity sometimes is a little bit instead of like being proactive, being like, we can do it. Let's just do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's what I loved so much about your talk for Planeteers, because I am not always optimistic. And you were like, no, things are changing. It's good. We're good. (laughs) We're on the right path. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, yeah, obviously sometimes I'm the same. It's like, oh, fucking hell this and this happened especially on social media like when you see in your face what is happening and you know it but you don't necessarily want to see it because you're already doing your part for it but it's like you know in your face and you're like oh god this is so horrible especially when animals are harmed you know that's obviously sometimes we're a little bit discouraged but then in the end I'm always trying to remember people like us make a difference and there's more and more people joining the movement and it's like the tiny things we try to do or big things or whoever whatever people can do that are changing things and I think we're doing good (laughs) (laughs) we're getting there let's say (laughs) yes I love your optimism and I (laughs) I grabbed onto it I was like okay she thinks something is good and I do think the little things the little changes people make are helping, right? Because we're moving companies, we're demanding things to be better. And that's true. And it's like, for instance, for me, it was always hard to defend my job and marketing because for many people in activism, it's kind of like marketing is the most evil thing on this planet. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm using it for my environmentalist whatever people can do for instance some people don't have a car I for instance have a car and like some people are like oh you're an activist but you're driving cars like yeah I'm driving a car but I do this and this and this and this you know it's like some people just want you to fail and you're just like yeah you're vegan but you but you take planes because you live in Portugal and you're like it's not about a competition here it's about like you know I like to buy let's say a dress and uh, someone else is not, it doesn't like to buy a lot of clothes, you know, yeah. like it's like, not me personally, but like, you know, some people just like do like shopping, um, but therefore they don't have a car, they walk. Some people just don't buy a lot of clothes or whatever, but then they have a car or right. like, you know, it's like the little things. And if we all do a little bit, like it's going to be a big pile of good stuff. <laughs> yes. I have the same thing when people 
make comments about my something in my life. Like my, I have a big, beautiful apartment and people are like, Oh, aren't you a hippie? Don't you, aren't you into sustainability? And it's like, listen, do you want to know all the things I do? Yeah. Yeah. This is the worst thing. Like people, and especially people that eat meat and you, we had that here actually like a few weeks ago, I was just eating my vegan breakfast and like minding my own business. And then this one person, but like attacking me, what kind of hypocrite I was for like not eating meat. And like, I was like, what? Why am I being attacked? I didn't even say about anything that you ate, like 15 eggs and like a kilo of meat. And so, what? And then, yeah, but you are like flying and you're like an hypocritical extremist. Excuse me, I can still have a normal life. I don't have to live in a under a bridge just to prove my point to like try to change something. It's like, yes, that's why I called it half hippie because we can all do a little bit like yeah. you said, we don't have to live under a bridge. We don't have to give up everything. Just do a little yeah. bit, half. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we do a lot already. I mean, it's like we dedicate our lives to it. I don't know why people, I, I think I I know why they do it because they feel guilty and they try to yeah. guilt, guilt sh- or like shame us to like make us look bad and them feeling better. Yeah. But in my opinion, that's like, that's embarrassing. If you want to know how, what you can do to change, I'm here to help. Yeah. But yeah, don't attack me. <laughs> I know. I think that's such a better approach. Like I'm just doing my thing. You do your thing. When you hear a vegan, like a person is vegan, it's like, oh my God, they're going to judge me because I'm wearing a leather jacket. They're going to judge me because I wear lavish jeans and they're going to judge me, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, nobody cares. No. <laughs> like we are just here to help. Like, and we are just actually eating without harming anyone. That's all we're doing. Everyone calm their farm. I know. I know. I'm like, just let me eat my thing. We're not aggressive. But yeah, yeah. here to help. If you want to taste some really tasty food, that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, just by being a good role model, a lot of yeah. people are like, actually, you're not a dick and you're not an asshole and you don't force me to eat vegan. Maybe I'm going to try. What's something you wish you were doing better though for the planet? Is there something that you do that you're like, oh, I shouldn't do this? Maybe it's the flying sometimes because mm-hmm. I, um, I'm i a diver. I fly a lot, mm-hmm. like not at the moment. And I also fly to Germany sometimes to see my family. And mm-hmm. I love to go diving in different um, countries. But also when I do, I normally do a conservation program there as well. So I try to like, you know, equal up my CO2 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> consumption. Uh, or footprint um yeah maybe the the flying Mm -hmm. is probably the biggest part and other than that I also work for an online shop that is um for plastic free products so this is also something where you learn a lot how to use less plastic or less uh, or consume less um packaging in general so I feel like I'm improving every day by the knowledge I gain Mm -hmm. so obviously we're all not perfect, but, you know, the more we try to um, make things better and what we can, you know, implement in our life, I think we should not judge ourselves too much because that's what we also tend to do. I guess it's like with everyone who is in environmentalism, it's like you do so much and then you still say like, oh, fuck, why did I do this? Why did I eat this? Or why did I buy this in plastic packaged vegan sausage? Like, right. you know, and 
But then in the end, it's like what we if everyone would live that way and would be so critical with themselves, it would be a way better planet for humans and animals. Yeah. And also even these like, you know, two euros or whatever, when you fly CO2 emission ah, thing. Yeah. This is a, I do that always. And sometimes it's six euros or 10 euros. And you're just like, oh, yeah, of course I do that. If I feel like the need for the luxury of flying, then I can afford 10 euros or 20 euros or whatever it is to to uh, equal out my offset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also like the pollution is a big thing. Mm-hmm. I did an um, internship in the in Honduras in mm-hmm. Utila. It's like a super cool little island um, in marine conservation, and we actually restored some corals. So wow. we planted them. We had a little nursery, and we cleaned them, and it was so amazing because they were like um, growing. And every time we went there, they were a little bit bigger. And oh, that's awesome. but also there. There was like so much bleaching. We saw some uh, uh, show, like some presentations where they uh, showed us how they looked like even just a year ago. Mm. And they were not even bleached. They were dead. Like the same cars that were like a year ago, they were blooming and everything was colorful. And then now they were like, and also the little um, babies we nursed. That's crazy. But (laughs) I'm glad you were there to do Having already, even we went there to clean them every week. What an amazing experience. They already had some bleaching going on. And it's just like, this is insane. Thank you for this. That's all I have for you. Do you have any questions for me? What you're doing besides uh, half hippie? I teach technology and marketing to other online entrepreneurs. Awesome. Yeah. Marketing. I know. I mean, it's the thing. (laughs) Yeah. No, you can use it for good. It's not the soul of the devil. It's it's good. (laughs) Well, she is so cool. I'm so glad Micah is out there fighting for the animals and for sea life and working with Sea Shepherd to help save the oceans. I had no idea there was this like piracy going on to stop illegal fishing and I don't know it's very exciting Uh, but I'm really grateful that people are out there doing the work and I hope we can all kind of reflect and take action in our own way and I really love that the aim of Sea Shepherd Portugal and the aim of Sea Shepherd is education and action and that they're helping to turn some of these projects into job opportunities. That's the best outcome for everybody. So really cool work. I'm I'm so grateful that people are out there doing that. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I do. It's very exciting. And Micah and I are chatting about doing some marketing collaborations to help other sustainable and green businesses uh, to get the message out there. So very, very cool stuff. I love making connections like this. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. I found it riveting. So thanks for being here and I'll catch you soon.